Hello everyone, welcome back to MedCast with Sal Hogarty. I am here today with Dr. Grant. How are you doing today? Excellent, good morning. I appreciate you coming to talk to us. So we're here talking about health literacy and the impact it has on the medical community. What do you do and why did you join the medical community? Well, I've, I've uh, been in love with medicine for many, many years. Um, when I was in uh, high school, I actually attended a EMT class and started working with an ambulance service in Pasquotank County in the northeast part of North Carolina, um, in Elizabeth City, North mm -hmm. Carolina. Uh, subsequent to that, uh, I started working in an emergency department and fell in love with emergency medicine and have been working now full-time as an emergency medicine physician here at uh, UNC Wayne for the last uh, 30 years. And you went to you went to ECU, or where did you go to medical school? I did. Um, I, I did, did my medical training at ECU and my residency uh, there at, uh, at that time, Pitt County Memorial Hospital, which is now Vidant Medical Center. Okay. Do you think literacy, and to what degree do you think literacy impacts health? Oh, I think literacy has a huge um, context uh, in uh, dealing with, uh, with people's health um, in, in a lot of different avenues. Um, simply people uh, you know, need to be able to read and understand general health and some basic uh, health care and medical issues, um, which is a challenge for somebody who, who has difficulty with, with uh, literacy. Um, but uh, you know everything from their own individual prevention and, and general health maintenance to being able to follow healthcare instructions that are provided for uh, them by a healthcare provider or a physician or a nurse. Um, uh, things like how to uh, take care of yourself, how to take your medications, um, how to make sure that you follow up with someone um, for ongoing medical needs. If you aren't able to read and aren't able to understand the concepts that are being provided for you, then it really challenges your ability to take care of yourself. So do you believe that the gap between literacy and health is overly exhausting medical resources and personnel? Well, I, I think it is, uh, like I say, a huge challenge for, for individuals and for our community. Um, uh, people, if they are unable to care for themselves or un unable to understand how to care for themselves, uh, they start uh, becoming uh, uh, more chronically ill. They have difficulty with their, their basic health care and their health maintenance, which then results in uh, complications of their underlying disease and their health issues. Uh, you know, you develop complications of high blood pressure. Um, you start having heart disease, you start having risk of heart attack and stroke, you know, all is, all is a complication of you not caring for yourself at, at a baseline level, mm. um, which is, I think, complicated by uh, someone's inability to understand or read uh, their uh, information that's provided for them. Mm. So I have stumbled across a word in doing my research and doing this project is like recidivism. And when, I guess, patient has someone um, like a doctor give them a health regimen and give them something to help themselves and they they in the moment say yes yes I understand but then when they go home and they maybe not take the right medicine or maybe they just don't do the right health protocols that the doctor gives them they come back based only on the point that they didn't do what they were supposed to do the first time do you did you see that a lot in the ER where they people just come back with the same problem that you would first try to treat them with and then they just come back with the same problem, what do you do then? We, we do. Uh, most of the time the issue is when uh, someone goes to their family physician and they're diagnosed with a condition and a plan is made by their healthcare provider 
and for instance, uh, they're given a, a blood pressure medication. Right. Um, and then they, you know, have 30 days worth of blood pressure medication and potentially they're told and given information on how to care for themselves and how to manage their high blood pressure. But then they come and follow up with me three or six months later in the emergency department because of some other issue. And I'm like, now I see you're supposed to be taking blood pressure medication. And they're like, uh, no, I, I only, I only had 30 days worth of that medicine. And I'm like, well, no, that that's medicine that was intended for you to take you know, potentially for the rest of your life until we, you know, got things under control. Right. And their understanding and their bottle may have said, you know, take one one pill daily for blood pressure. Well, when they ran out of those pills, they simply quit taking those pills, mm -hmm. not realizing that it, potentially they had a refill on that medication or that uh, their health care required them to continue that medication potentially for a long term. Mm. And so based off those that example you actually just gave about the medicine, in your experience in the field, you know, working in immediate care and working in the hospital, especially the ER, do patients, do they tend to even ask questions about what medicine they're being prescribed or like what their diagnosis or treatment is? You know, it varies. Um, some people ask uh, a lot of questions. Um, a lot of people don't have some basic understanding of their health care needs or quite honestly their, their body or how their body works. And I see a whole lot of people that I see and I'm like, so t tell me what medical problems you have. And they're like, I don't have any medical troubles. And I'm like, well, okay, what medicines do you take? And they're like, well, I take this little white pill. And I'm like, well, what's the white pill for? And they're like, well, I don't know. The doctor just told me to take it. And so we find the white pill and I'm like, okay, now this is a blood pressure pill. Like, oh yeah, I've got a history of blood pressure. And I'm like, well, okay, I didn't <laughs> think you had any medical troubles. Right. And then the next thing you do is you find a diabetic pill or you find a sugar pill or you find a you know, cholesterol pill. And people didn't realize that those pills were given to them because they have healthcare conditions. Um, so just the basic understanding of their healthcare, I think, is, is a weakness that we have in some populations, particularly those that have uh, challenges of being able to read or understand the healthcare uh, system. Mm -hmm. And so that becomes a problem in itself. And it, you just said sugar pill, which I guess also is like towards diabetes pill and stuff. And so medical terminology and medical jargon is so is so complicated in itself. And for people who have who are of low literacy already have a problem with just understanding basic English words and stuff. So how do you, as a doctor with with my understanding, just like you have limited time and you have to see a bunch of patients, how do you effectively tell someone or give a diagnosis in a concise way that they can maybe, in a more simplified way for them? Well, you know, we try to make sure that we explain things to patients in a fairly simple okay. language. Um, I don't want to use a bunch of complex medical terms that are, may not be understood by a patient. So it's easier to tell someone that they have problems with high cholesterol and not that they have hyperlipidemia, right. which is the medical term for high cholesterol. So it's important that a physician or, or a provider, uh, a PA or a nurse practitioner or a nurse, explain things to patients on a level that they can understand. You know, we try to give people instructions on health at about a sixth grade level, mm. um, on a reading level. Um, that's still because medicine is kind of, uh, uh, you know, a science of its own and, and uses a lot of, you know, kind of complex terms and phrases. It's still a challenge, I think, for a lot of patients to be able to understand exactly what their doctor's talking to them about. But if this is the thing with you, is like people, are people sometimes intimidated as well to ask questions and then to understand, maybe you explain something and then they just kind of write it off as they don't really want to ask because they seem like scared to ask? Or? Well, I think healthcare is a scary thing. Okay. Um, Certainly having, having sickness, you know, pe people are scared. Um, 
especially when we give them a, a diagnosis of, of a cancer or right. a, a very you know significant uh, critical medical illness. You know, telling somebody that they've had a heart attack or telling somebody that they have cancer is scary because people obviously are concerned uh, that that it's going to kill them. Um, and you know, it certainly may not be something that is immediately life-threatening, but if you don't follow through with care and treatment, then it increases your risk of developing complications from that disease and ultimately maybe having death from, from the disease. And talking kind of about life-threatening illnesses, especially recently, um, you know, COVID was a huge epidemic. I mean, you were a doctor that, I, as I understand, saw a huge amount of COVID patients that came in, you've been seeing still. So during, I guess, the early days of COVID and when, the, like, I guess around 2020 or maybe later 2020, how did you relate information about COVID to patients in an effective way and not scare them, right? Like, I mean, we, you didn't even know, not a lot of people knew a lot about COVID regardless. So how did you then relay that information to them about how to be safe from it and to keep others safe? Well, certainly early in COVID, we really didn't have a lot of information. Mm -hmm. You know, we know a lot of uh, things about infectious disease and viral infections and the transmission of disease, but we didn't know a lot about COVID I itself. Um, so we early on were providing some very basic information about, you know, hand washing and um, distancing wearing. yourself from, from people and avoiding crowds and wearing a mask, um, things that we knew that would help any infectious disease, but specifically we thought would help with COVID. And people wanted very concrete answers. They wanted exact things, and, and we didn't have exact science at that point. We made recommendations. As the medicine evolved and as we started to develop uh, better knowledge and understanding of COVID, unfortunately things became you know, somewhat political and there was a lot of information out there and false information. And it really became a challenge for many people to be able to identify what was good information and what was bad information and what sources they were using to get information from. Um, and then for a lot of people, it was just scary as to how to take care of themselves and take care of their loved ones. Did you find a lot of pushback from people who maybe had low literacy that didn't want to take the vaccine maybe or wear their mask? Did you have a lot of pushback based on the point that they just maybe didn't even understand what you were saying? Or was that just everyone, maybe, because everyone was just scared? Yeah, I'm not sure that it necessarily was literacy-related. There was certainly a component of that in, in uh, people that had lower literacy, understanding kind of the basics of healthcare and how to maybe access a vaccine. Um, but uh, things, unfortunately, became such a political, uh, you know, firecracker yeah. early on in, in uh, becoming vaccinated. Um, again, it was so much misinformation that was out there, being able to find Good information and information you could trust uh, became challenging for so, so many people. Mm -hmm. Do you think there is enough awareness and motivation to help elicit a movement towards alleviating health literacy, the health literacy problem in the medical community? Yeah, I think medicine uh, really tries to, to make an effort at uh, helping patients understand mm -hmm. uh, their health care. Um, it certainly is a challenge in, in many organizations uh, because everybody's busy and everybody has, um, you know, a limited amount of time to uh, provide uh, specific care for an individual person. Um, so, 
so the hospital has done a really good job and, and the healthcare system has done a good job in providing follow-up care for people and follow-up phone calls for people to try to help make sure that they remember to follow up with their, their appointments um, and follow-up care and to remind them to take their medications. But so many people, if they have lack of resources, you know, both financial resources and literacy um, limitations, um, becomes a challenge for that person to be successful with caring for themselves. Mm -hmm. And so it, it's really just, I've been talking to other people throughout this podcast and I've noticed that maybe there's, um, especially some nurses I've interviewed, talked about like the talk back method. There's a lot more push for that to help people than for a nurse or even a doctor to be like, okay, so I've given you this diagnosis, prognosis, now, now tell me back what you're supposed to do. And so that is interesting to me in saying like, maybe there is actually, they're doing a lot better with trying to be more personal care with the, the patient, right? I think that's true. Um, and I think that's something that, that healthcare has tried to do, honestly, for a long time. Right. We try to make sure that we use other resources in the family. Um, and if, you know, grandma or grandpa doesn't understand exactly what's going on, then we try to get one of the other family members to be involved. Mm -hmm. sure. Um, you know, you try to explain multiple times, both the, the provider and then the nurse, you know, at discharge, exactly what we're doing and why we're doing this. And then, like you say, have them repeat that information back so that uh, hopefully we can uh, make sure that they understand things. Then uh, we also provide things in writing, and, and that becomes the challenge with the literary right. um, issue. You know, if, if I provide you a complete you know, description of how to take care of yourself and your diabetes and what to eat if you have difficulty understanding or reading that material, then you have to remember so much of that stuff that I told you in real time and I can't go over everything that would be written and all the dietary instructions that may be most helpful for you. Do you think earlier in your career when you were in the ER, maybe 10 years in or so, if you're you practicing medicine, do you think you had more time then to explain to your patients what they needed to do compared to now, you have maybe less time, or is it opposite? No, I think we probably have less time today than we did okay. many years ago. Um, and remember, emergency medicine, although we do a lot of primary care, um, our emphasis is acute emergency care. Um, so we're not doing a lot of management of chronic high blood pressure, chronic diabetes. Right. We are, we are seeing the complications, complications of those disease processes. Um, and, and we try to help make sure people get into a primary care office and into somebody who can help follow them on a you know, monthly basis or every three months or every six months as needed for their health care. Um, so we, we prefer not to you know, wait until they have a heart attack. We'd like to try to do things to help prevent the heart attack right. yeah. uh, from happening. That makes sense. Would you, as a medical professional, how would you rank the problem of health literacy among other prevalent problems in the medical world. Well, yeah, I mean, I think it's probably just, you know, one, one spoke in the wheel of, right. of lots of issues. Um, you know, the huge challenges that we have in, in medicine today are lack of providers, um, lack of appointment times, um, lack of financial resources for people to provide care for themselves. Unfortunately, many of our medications are very expensive and limit right. some patients' ability to, to succeed in taking care of their disease process. And certainly then people not understanding their disease process and not following through with those instructions that are provided. So it's just one of many things that I think complicates uh, a patient's ability to, to take care of themselves. Mm -hmm. And it's certainly made worse if they can't read or understand uh, what's 
being presented to them. Do you in your personal experience, and maybe if, if you ever thought about it, is, is there any solutions that you would think of that would maybe help fix the health literacy problem? And I understand that maybe this is it's always might just be a prevalent problem of people who have low literacy, people who may, maybe are just not even low literacy, just have literacy problems. Is there other ways that you could possibly think of for the future that could help? Well, I think what you're doing is exactly what, what needs to be done. Um, you know, we need to reach out to the communities that are in need. Um, we need to work on making sure that we have basic understanding of health care, working on literacy, making sure things are explained to patients uh, at a level that they can understand, and then making sure that we have a system in place that we can follow up and that repeat training that you talked about. Mm -hmm. You know, as opposed to having somebody repeatedly fail the system and coming back, coming back with multiple failures, we need to make sure that we repeat our training and our education to the person uh, to try to make sure that they're most likely to succeed. Gotcha. Well, thank you, Dr. Grant, for coming and talking to me today. It was a really good conversation. I learned a lot. And uh, thanks for what you do for the community. So, Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Uh, we'll be back with another episode uh, later on. So thanks for tuning in. Have a good day, guys.